UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to our Talking Markets podcast series right here on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our focus for today will be on equities as my guests will provide their views on performance drivers, themes, as well as positioning across sectors and regions. So joining me here for the conversation in studio up here in our broadcast site, 1285 Avenue of the Americas in New York City. Glad to have with us from the UBS Chief Investment Office, David Lefkowitz, head of the equities for the Americas. We're also glad to be joined from our partners at Newberger Berman, uh, Joe Amato, the president of the Newberger Berman Group, uh, the firm's chief investment officer for equities, and Joe serves as a member of the firm's board of directors. So with that, uh, David, Joe, it's great to be with you both. Thank you for doing this in person. It's great to be with you. I know we have a lot to cover, so looking forward to the conversation. Thanks. Uh, thanks very much for having me, Dan. Uh, uh, appreciate uh, appreciate the discussion. Yeah, likewise. Great, Great to be here. Here, Dan. Absolutely. So th- there's a lot to cover. Of course, the market environment has been quite fluid, quite eventful, especially over the past few weeks or so, perhaps some surprises we were not anticipating heading into 2023. So with that, Joe, to begin, can you speak a bit to your reflections on U.S. equity market performance on a year-to-date basis relative to your expectations heading into the year? And how would you characterize the environment at the moment for equity investors? Thanks, Dan. It's It's been uh, uh to say the least, quite a quarter. <laughs> when you think about, um, you know, what we've been through over the last three months, it seems like it's been a year. You know, there's so much been packed into one quarter. You know, at the end of uh, the quarter, equity, U.S. equities actually performed quite well. You know, if you look at at least the S&P as a proxy, you know, being up uh, upwards to uh, 7%, you know, bonds are up about 3%. So, you know, when you, you, you look at that, you say, hey, it was a pretty good quarter. Well, you know, in reality, there was a ton of volatility, a ton of rate volatility. Obviously, the financial stability challenges that uh, that were created during during the quarter, and uh, uh, so actually, when you when you deconstruct the S and P five hundred, it's actually a tale of a bit like tale of two cities. You have uh, the super mega cap stocks that were up big time for the quarter, and partly because of the reduce in, uh, reduction in rates and because they're long duration equity stories. So you had those half a dozen stocks or so up like 30%. If you deconstruct the S&P 500, you had a tale of, 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 of really two stories. Um, one, the mega caps that were up 30%, and then you had the rest of the market essentially flat to up only slightly. So I think that, uh, that tells you what a challenging and choppy environment was for the first quarter. When we started the year, we, as we currently do, have a defensive posture toward U.S. equities. So, you know, it's been a little bit of a pain trade for us in the context of, you know, what our asset allocation has been. David, same question to you as far as expectations, how equity market performance has shaped up relative to what CIO was anticipating, especially for the first quarter heading into the year. And how would you characterize the current environment for equity investors? Yeah, I, I think Joe covered a lot of the, the key points. I, I mean, the fact that it was such narrow breadth in in the U.S. equity market. Um, you know, I think some of the things that, you know, maybe surprised us a little bit were some of the stronger data that we saw out of uh, in, in the first in the first you know, early parts of uh, of the year, January and February. Maybe Social Security benefits were impacting things, which stepped up because of higher inflation. 
maybe the warmer weather that we saw here in the U.S. as, as well as Europe. Um, but yeah, I think I think Joe just underscoring everything that Joe talked about. You know, just a, a very wide dispersion within markets. I mean, you had uh, from a sector perspective, tech and com services up twenty percent, and you know, not surprising that the the laggard. Uh, down seven was financials, uh, you know, where we know that there's been a lot of stress in the in the banking system. Everyone's, you know, quite well aware of that. So, um, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, definitely some surprises both on the upside and the downside. Certainly, the banking stresses we we weren't anticipating, although we've been underweight financials uh, for uh, related reasons, you know, worried about deposit costs and rising funding costs and things like that. Certainly, weren't anticipating a. a a mini banking crisis, um, but definitely a lot, a lot to parse through in in markets uh, so far in the first quarter. So it's hard to believe, but within a week or so, we will be kicking off another reporting season. I know we'll hear from the major banks, the financials earlier on. I'd imagine with everything going on recently, that will be a big point of interest to get into those results. But uh, Joe, your expectations for Q1 reporting, what investors can expect, and if you want to expand a bit on your expectations for earnings growth for quarters to come. So I think the first quarter. Uh, where consensus is roughly down five percent or so for again using the S and P five hundred as a as a proxy. Um, so um, you know that has lowered expectations for uh, first you know for two thousand twenty three earnings over the course of the last um, uh, you know six months or so as they keep coming down. You know if we were if we were here six months ago or nine months ago. Uh, expectations for SP 500 earnings for this year would have been probably in the 230, 240 range, and now you're edging into the low 220s. You'll probably be in the you know in the teens at some point. Uh, our view is that needs to come down further. You know, uh, I think the economy, uh, while in the first quarter surprisingly resilient, because the consensus estimates right now around uh, first quarter GDP are still in the sort of two and a half, maybe even two and a half plus range. Um, so I think the first quarter earnings, um, while down, it'll be important to hear it, uh, what companies are saying in terms of their guidance for the rest of the year. My guess is they're going to be quite cautious, so you know, uh, not not surprisingly so, given the financial um, instability issues and one of the bigger things that we worry about tightening credit lending standards, we think will ultimately further weaken earnings over the course of the year. Uh, David, what will you be looking out for during Q1 reporting? And if you want to expand the bid as far as expectations for earnings growth through the balance of the year? Pretty similar to what to what Joe is articulating. I, I would say, though, you know, we're, we're picking up, if you look at some of the early reporters, they've actually been pretty decent. Um, so, you know, I, I do share Joe's concerns about uh, potential weakness later in the year, but I I I think it's you know if, if I had to summarize how the last few quarters have gone, I would say it's, you know things have been sort of better than feared, and and I think that's going to be a probably a similar story we hear in the first quarter. In fact, it might even be a little bit better than better than feared, because um, some of the earlier it's a very small sample size, about seventeen companies in the S and P at this point have reported the average company's beating by five percent. On the bottom line, they're beating by one percent on the top line, um, and you know, somewhat surprisingly, the guidance for the second quarter for those companies has been fairly decent. Uh, on average, companies are are not the analysts are not reducing their numbers for the second quarter in aggregate. Again, you know, very small sample size, but fully agree with with Joe that you know, as we as we think about later this year. We've got those tightening lending standards that Joe talked about. 
Uh, you know, we do think we're going to have to see some softening in the labor market for the Fed to get inflation fully under control. That's going to eventually weigh on consumer spending. Um, and, you know, the, the, the consensus estimates have this sort of ramp in margins as well as a ramp in earnings growth throughout the second half of the year. That looks, that looks pretty unlikely in our view. Uh, so for the full year, we're looking for a 5% decline in earnings um, compared to the consensus, uh, as Joe was talking about, which is about, about flat right now on a year-over-year basis. So we think there's more earnings reductions to come. I, I'm just not sure it's going to be so evident in the fir- in the first quarter reporting season and the other thing i you know we didn't we didn't even mention i mean some of the cost trends are really improving too right you've got supply chains which are getting better uh labor costs are beginning to moderate the dollar is not going to be as much as a headwind so on the margin things may look a little bit better now but there's definitely still risk on the horizon i think one of the things you'll you'll see in the first quarter is uh wide dispersion of earnings uh y- you've got thing You've got sectors like consumer discretionary. Consensus right now is up 30, 40, and you have materials down 30 plus and everything in between. Um, so, you know, it's going to be one of those quarters, again, which which, which, which is what drove, I think, a lot of the dispersion, single stock dispersion that occurred during the, the first quarter and what we would expect going forward. In terms of positioning, we'll get into uh, CIO's view in a few moments. David, I know we're a bit defensive at the moment. One of our key messages in focus, uh, favoring bonds over equities. We can dive a bit deeper into that in a few moments. But given the environment that we're in currently, Joe, uh, from Newberger Berman's vantage point, sector-wise, what are your thoughts as far as positioning? So our, our views are, are quite consistent, frankly, with the work that David and team and, Mar- you know, Mark, the whole team does, you know, in the context of the CIO uh, IO office. So, you know, you guys do terrific work. So, uh, um, uh, you know, we came into this year with that uh, defensive posture that I referenced earlier, you know, being underweight equities. You know, we moved to underweight equities in our asset allocation committee view um, back in the first quarter of 22. We had not been underweight for years prior to that. So we, we that was a big move for us. And we've stayed defensive over the course of the year. And some quarters that was a pain trade. Some others that was that was the right positioning. Net net, obviously, markets were tough in in, in 22. So I think it, it, it paid to be underweight equities. We moved into this year. Uh, feeling that earnings were the, that sort of last shoe to drop, that we did feel inflation was coming down, maybe slower than expectation, maybe ending the year at a higher level than the certainly than the Fed's target. Uh, we felt at some point the hiking cycle would stop and that rates would peak, and I think we're getting close to that point. Uh, uh, and that third piece was going to be earnings coming back down to reality. Now, we haven't really seen that yet. And David's point of you're still seeing a ramp up in you know sort of growth in second, third, fourth quarter earnings this year, which we don't think is particularly... Um, uh, that makes sense at this point. So we remain defensive in terms of our equity allocation um, and are seeing signs. So David referenced the softness in the labor market. I think that's going to be an important um, uh, indicator of economic activity. And you saw a weak jolts number today. You saw and 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 the adjustments of prior period. You saw a relatively weak you know um, number yesterday in terms of the job openings. So starting to see those cracks, obviously, tomorrow morning, we're going to see a really important number in the context of, of the labor market report, which may give an indication of where the Fed's going to be over the course of the next several meetings. But even after the last two data points as it relates to the labor market, you saw the market reduce its expectation that the Fed's going to increase uh, rates in the in the next meeting. David, I saw you nodding your head a lot as Joe was <laughs> right. going through his remarks, yeah. as he alluded yeah. to a lot of alignment with our right. chief investment office. Yeah, we're pretty aligned from a you know 
overall defensive position. Um, uh, not you know not we're not in our bunkers playing defense, but but we are we are somewhat cautious. Um, and uh, you know from a sector perspective, within equities, we have a preference for staples and utilities. Obviously, classic defensive sectors. Um, what I would point out is that. You know the the valuations for these areas look pretty appealing, given all the risks that we we're just talking about, um, and the fact that we're in a pretty late cycle environment. But we're not totally defensive, um, so we we also do have an overweight on on industrials. You know, again, it's just more more of a function of we don't want to be completely in in, in the bunker yet. Um, and there, there's some interesting secular opportunities, I think, within industrials, whether it be defense spending, whether it be sort of the, the Inflation Reduction Act and a lot of the incentives that are there, whether it be energy spending, uh, which we think is just going to be on a secular uptrend, whether it be fossil fuels or renewables. And a lot of industrials benefit from both of those. Um, but obviously, there still are cyclical elements related to industrials. You know, where we've been underweight is, is and I would just highlight, is, is just is tech. Um, both the IT sector and consumer discretionary. And, you know, the, as Joe was pointing out, the, this these areas of the market have really benefited so far this year because we've seen rates come down, but growth expectations have not. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily really sustainable. Um, so, you know, if we have a – and I also – I sort of feel like it, it's hard to see the growth part of the complex, you know, really – outperforming from here. You know, if we have a soft landing, some of the cheap cyclicals are probably going to be the place that people rotate rotate into. And if we have a hard landing, well, the valuations in the growth complex really just don't account for some of the earnings risk that we're likely going to see in in, in those growth companies. So so we're we're comfortable being underweight tech. It's been uh you know it's gone against us this year. Uh, but but you know looking forward from here, I think the the odds favor uh, underperformance going forward, and then as Joe as Joe highlighted, you know, we do have a preference for for bonds. I mean, there is an alternative to stocks, uh, given given where yields are in in the bond market. Um, so I think that's a that's a different dynamic than what we've seen in in the last fifteen years when the Fed had interest rates pegged pegged at zero or near zero for a long time. To David's point around valuations. Um, it's interesting again if you think about the SP 500 and deconstruct it a bit, right? The you know the mega cap. So if you if you just took everything uh, trading above half a trillion in market cap and above, which is essentially half a dozen stocks, uh, they're trading like thirty times earnings. If you look at the other four hundred and whatever, you know they're more like fifteen, sixteen. So while again we're underweight, the valuations on a relative basis don't look that attractive. The key is the E at this point uh, that still, I think, needs to come come down a bit. What about geographically speaking, Joe? Any regions you prefer at the moment over others? So we, we have um, uh, leaned toward the U.S. The U.S. is, uh, while we do expect U.S. Uh, earnings to come back to reality a bit, it's still less cyclical economy than Europe uh, and uh, and most parts of Asia. So, you know, probably the biggest area that we may disagree, we're probably not as bullish on EM as you guys are. Uh, and, and EM, as our EM guys like to say, this is not our banking crisis. So it's not our fault this time. Uh, and it's been less of a, a, a obviously, a, a financial instability in those regions. And China's recovery, while slower on the manufacturing side than I think people are expecting right now, is still, it's still real. It's happening. Um, but with Europe being a cyclical economy, Asia being cyclical economy, 
you know, we're again, we lean U.S. We do like Japan. You know, Japan's probably got, uh, you know, consensus 10 percent earnings growth with 12 times earnings. So, you know, that sounds pretty appealing in, you know, as a, as a value uh, sector of the geographic uh, equity market. There might be a few differences, David, in terms of geographical preferences. Can you speak a bit to CIOs thinking at the moment? Yeah, sure. So the, the areas that we like uh, globally at the moment are emerging. We do like emerging markets, and, and Joe talked a little bit about this. I mean, so emerging markets are pretty heterogeneous, right? So I think it's important to just focus on um, some of the components. I mean, China is about 30% of the benchmark. Um, South Korea, Taiwan together, which are very heavily in, in, uh, weighted in terms of semiconductors where, you know, it looks like some aspects, some elements of the semiconductor cycle are, are probably bottoming. Um, you know, add those all together, you get 50% of the, of the EM benchmark. Um, and so we think that there's some interesting things going on there. And, you know, just from a very big picture perspective, I think you can make an argument that EM earnings are probably maybe 20% below trend or normal, and they're trading at average valuations. Uh, whereas you look at some place like the United States, which is, and we've just been talking a lot about earnings, earnings are probably 10% above trend and, and trading at higher than average valuations. So when we make those comparisons, we think EM comes out a little bit uh, a little bit more interesting. Plus, if, uh, you know, the, if last year was a story about a very strong dollar, and we know that's typically not good for EM, if we're, you know, approaching the end of the Fed rate hiking cycle, we think we're going to start to see the dollar, we have started to see the dollar weaken a bit. We think there's more to go on that. We're actually least preferred on the dollar, because not because we think there's a big problem with the dollar, but it's just expensive, and you got the Fed, you know, kind of winding down its, its rate hiking. Um, so a weaker dollar also tends to be better for emerging markets. So uh, those are the reasons we like emerging markets. Look, if we have a really hard landing in the United States, yeah, EM is you know, certainly has the cyclical elements, then we want to be uh, aware of those. Um, but, but for now, we think this is an interesting place to be. We also like Australia, uh, where you get some commodity exposure, and, and we think that and, – and also some leverage to what's happening in, in Asia more broadly. Um, and I also – I already talked about the U.S. perspective, just you know, high valuations, higher than average earnings or higher than normal earnings. And, and we just, you know, when we, I think we, we talked a lot about some of those risks that we see from the, from the earnings side. So as far as the path forward for returns, David, you alluded to this a bit as far as macro uncertainty, the prospects for a recession to occur here in the U.S. That's been in the back of investors' minds for some time now. Sticky inflation, of course, a concern as well. So how do you see, Joe, the environment for equity returns evolving over the next three quarters? I think the equity markets on a Global basis are going to be uh, quite uh, choppy, if that's the if that's the word, uh, over um, you know over the next few quarters because I think you're still working through this recalibration of earnings as we talked about earlier. We're still going to be gauging the impact of tighter lending standards. It's hard to see how that's not going to be the case. If you were a regional bank loan officer right now, are you more inclined to lend or less inclined to lend? You were you know a month ago. So we think less, uh, to state the obvious. So, so, and if you correlate lending, you know, senior officer loan survey data, for instance, from the Fed to earnings, they correlate pretty highly. So we're going to be watching that very closely. So I think you're going to see these fits and starts depending on, you know, Fed policy will have, a, have an impact, right? You know, I think all intents and purposes of Fed hiking cycles over, you know, they maybe they increase again. My view would be a mistake. I think they realize that 
um, they uh, uh, have a financial instability issue, but you know we'll see what they decide. And as I was uh, using the analogy, uh, uh, the, 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 to quote the famous philosopher Mike Tyson, right? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face, right? So the Fed had a plan to increase rates. Like three weeks ago, they were going to increase 50 basis points in the next meeting. Now that plan is off because they got punched in the face by Silicon Valley Bank, right? So that, I think, is going to keep the volatility um, higher on the fixed income side. And until there's some degree of stability on what the risk-free rate is, it's hard for equities to sort of, you know, achieve, you know, some level of stability and bottom out. Joe used the word choppy. I, I, I would, I've been using the word range-bound market. And I think we've sort of been in this, you know, we've been in this range. And if you talk about S&P terms, kind of high 3,000s, low 4,000s, we've really been in this range now for almost a year, you know, really go back to the summer of last year. And I think we're probably going to remain in that range uh, until until we really know uh, whether or not we're going to have a hard landing or or a soft landing. And I think it's still going to take some months uh, to figure that out. Um, you know, that being said, I do think I fully agree with Joe's comments. I, I think the banking stress just likely leads to tighter credit conditions and and probably does increase the recession probabilities. Uh, so our base case, uh, our, our, our point estimate for the S&P at the end of this year is 3,800. That's obviously lower than where we are today. I, I think it's helpful to also think about sort of the scenario. So let's just say we do have a soft landing in the United States. Um, you know, we think the S&P can, can rise about 10% from here. Whereas if we do have the harder landing, there's probably 20% downside. So you know, it, where investors shake out on that's going to depend on your your assessment of hard or la- hard landing or soft landing. But I think the key point is that the the hard landing risks are still pretty material, um, and and we just want to be somewhat somewhat careful and pick our spots in terms of in terms of where we want to be taking risk within within equities. You know, the macro environment is as complex as I've seen it, and and I've been in this a long time. Right, I saw the market, you know down 22% on one day in 1987. And and I think when you're not confident, given the macro uncertainty, it's not the time to put a lot of risk on. I think there will be a point in time to put more risk on, particularly as the Fed is ending their hiking cycle, which had been a very strong headwind for risk assets over the course of the last uh, year or, or so. But, uh, you know, that that's kind of our philosophy. Like, you know, when, when our confidence level is higher, that's when we'll put more more risk on. But most importantly, just we appreciate the partnership and the invitation to uh, to chat with you guys today. Well, Joe, David, an absolute pleasure. Great to do this in person. Thank you for sharing your perspective on the equity markets, as well as your guidance around positioning with our listeners, our clients. Of course, a lot to keep track of over the next few quarters. You mentioned, Joe, it seems like a year has passed already. In the first quarter, we have three more ahead of us. So looking forward to catching back up again soon and seeing how conditions evolve from here. But thank you both again. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Dan. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliates. The views and opinions expressed in this material by external guest speakers are those of the author, speaker, and are not those of UBS, its subsidiaries, or affiliates. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over the content of this material or any claims, losses, or damages arising from the use or reliance of all or any part thereof. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient, and is published for informational purposes only. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.